Hi, welcome to Community Christian Anywhere podcast of Sunday Messages. We're currently in the series, Jesus Stories. This series is looking at encounters Jesus had with different people on his way to the cross, the tomb, and his resurrection. We're learning from him how to live in an interactive life with God in his kingdom. Today, we get to hear from Jason Collins as we learn about life with God and with family. Listen closely as the scripture is read. A reading from the life of Jesus as told by Mark. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, Your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, Look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. I also want to join with Ed and welcome you to Community Christian Church. My name's Jason, and I'm on staff here at the church. And uh, you're going to see a picture come up on the screen right now. And uh, these two men in this picture you see, uh, that picture was taken in 2017. It shows uh, two guys, a 74-year-old man named Walter McFarlane, and beside him is 72-year-old Alan Robinson. Now, both of these guys were born, and they still live today in Honolulu, Hawaii. We all envy them for that. Um, But these guys met in the sixth grade. Uh, They're best friends. They grew up down the street from one another, uh, and on the day they met, they, tell, they would tell you, we just became the best of friends. We've just been doing life together ever since. They played football together on their high school team. Uh, they would also tell you that uh, they could have wound up marrying the same girl because they dated her in high school as well. Uh, their kids, uh, when they both had kids, their kids would go to the same schools together. They became sort of friends. Uh, they take family vacations together with their families all together. They, they always talk about how they, as they grew up throughout life, they said, we just felt like we had a bond. And one of the bonds that really held them together all this time is uh, both of these guys, both uh, Walter and Alan, uh, were adopted. And neither one of them knew very much or anything at all about their family origin stories. So one year for his birthday, Alan's daughter got him one of those genetic testing kits, the 23andMe, Ancestry.com thing that a lot of folks are using these days. He swabbed his cheek, he sent it off, and got back some results, but there wasn't any hits in the system. And so he just kind of let it be and said, well, you know what, my name is in the system now, and if somebody who's in my family one day uses one of these services, maybe they'll want to connect to me and I'll get an alert and I'll know who that person is. And so... A few years after that, at the urging of one of his daughters, Walter also did the same thing. He got his test results back, and his daughter was looking through, because they give you the usernames of the people who are in the system, and she's looking through the usernames of his likely relatives, and she said one of them sort of stood out. The username was Robbie737. So she asked her dad, she said, Dad, do you know anybody that, you know, that might sound familiar? And he goes, ah, doesn't ring a bell to me, but maybe your Uncle Alan will know. He used to be a pilot who flew 737s, and when we were kids, we called him Robbie. Y'all see where this is going. (laughs) Alan and Walter are biological brothers. They had no idea. For the last 60 years, 
They had been best friends. They did life together. They raised their families together. They spent vacations together. Their kids, if you notice, actually called them uncle, not knowing they were actually their blood uncle. Isn't that a cool story? Isn't that inspiring, right? We love stories like this. In fact, when I was researching these type of family origin reconnection stories, I found dozens and dozens of them, just story after story after story of these long-lost family members reconnecting with one another, some of them having no idea uh, that they even had family out there. And when we hear stories like this, and as I was reading them, you get this sense of joy, and, just, and they talk about this, this sense of joy and fulfillment when they finally get reconnected with these long-lost family members. And they will tell you that there was always a sense throughout my life, they would tell you, that I had a missing piece. And there was something about my life that just felt incomplete. Like there was this hole in my heart, and the moment I found my family... That hole got filled up a little bit. That incompleteness finally sort of went away. Which makes us ask this question. What drives us in this way? What drives us so much to want to connect and to identify with our family? Now, ever since the technology got developed, that, and I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a recent thing in our, in, our, uh, in our day. The human genome has been mapped. And we now know pretty much how it all works together, the DNA that you and I carry around in us. And ever since this technology was developed, people have been on the hunt. And they've been fascinated. They've been, they, people even get obsessed with finding their family roots. In fact, I bet in this room some of you have tried it. Some of you have used some of these very same genetic services. And you've tried to figure out where did I come from. And not just where did I come from, who did I come from, who are my people. But we haven't always known, but haven't we always known this? Our families shape us. And we feel this, right? Our family of origins, they shape us. Our relationships in our family, our connection with our relatives, or for some of us, the lack of connection with our relatives influences us. It affects so much about who we are, about how, we, how our lives turn out. In fact, in, in the world of counseling and mental health, we often talk about this. One of the main reasons that people wind up in a counselor's office, one of the main reasons people seek out therapy, can almost always be traced back to their family of origin. It's like people walk in the door and they go, now don't tell me it was my mom or my dad that made me like this. And I go, it kind of was. <laughs> but if you're a mom or dad, a parent like I am, uh, can I just say to you, I'm not piling blame on you, not trying to put a guilt trip on you, not trying to make you feel guilty, because it's this way in every family. I mean, nobody gets a pass on this one, right? I mean, I don't care how good of a parent you are. We're all flawed. We all have some imperfections. We all have some junk that we have to work out. And most people, what I find is, most people are just doing the best they can with what they had given to them. But even that, even then, everybody's leaving a legacy and we're leaving some good and we're leaving some not so good and all of our kids if we're parents are going to have to work through all of that stuff just like we had to work through all of that stuff but I believe that pull in all of us to know our roots to be connected in some way to a family it's exactly what we've sort of been exploring in this series together we said right at the beginning we all have this need this desire to find our place in the bigger story of our own lives. 
We want to know where we belong. We want to know where do I fit in the story. But like we've been saying this whole time, it, it must be something more than a story that just revolves around me. Because me is not enough. You are not enough. I'm not a big enough purpose for my own life. And you're not a big enough purpose for your own life. It's why I wind up talking to men and women. They get to their 40s and their 50s. And they basically lived out a story of their life. And it pretty much revolved around themselves for the whole time. And they still sit and they go, why is it so empty? Why is it not fulfilling? Why am I depressed? Why am I not satisfied? Well, because you weren't made to be the main character of your story. And when you live your whole life and you're the main character of your story, you, you get to the end of that real fast. So what do we do? Well, we look outside of ourselves. We start asking questions like we just talked about. Who am I? Where did I come from? Who are my people? When, what do their lives, what do, what do they say in their way, in their heritage, what does that say about me? It's like we're looking for clarity and definition for our own identities and we know we need to see it in the bigger story of who it is that I came from. And so we're talking about the bigger story in this series. But I also think it goes beyond that. I really do. I think part of our pull towards family is just another way that loneliness and isolation show up in all of our lives. We all get to a point where we start to run, wonder. We feel alone. We feel disconnected from things. And maybe you've heard this. Maybe you've read about this. But... It's kind of become a thing in our culture these days. Um, we're going through what they call a loneliness epidemic. You heard of this? Studies are being done, and they're showing that right now in our country, Americans today have the lowest number of people they call friend than we've ever had in our history. We spend less time in the presence of people that we are in close relationship with than ever before. More people consider themselves today lonely and disconnected than ever before. And the U.S. Surgeon General has sort of made this a, a part of his entire uh, run. He's really taken a, a, a shot at this, trying to figure it out and fix it. And in an interview, uh, I found this quote from him. He said, it's hard to put a price tag, if you will, on the amount of human suffering that people are experiencing right now. In the last few decades, we've just lived through a dramatic pace of change. We move more. We change jobs more often. We're living with technology that has profoundly changed how we interact with each other, how we talk to each other. And you can feel lonely even if you have a lot of people around you because loneliness is about the quality of your connections, not the quantity. And some of you, when I read that, you went, yeah, I know what that feels like because you've had a lot of people around you and still felt alone. Maybe you're feeling that today. And loneliness, disconnection, it's not just affecting our emotions. It's not just affecting our mental health. It's actually destroying our bodies. Did you know that the lack of connection with other people will increase your risk for premature death to levels comparable to smoking 15 cigarettes a day just by being disconnected from real close relationships. Studies show that when you don't experience good soul-nourishing relationships, your risk for heart disease goes up 29%, your risk of stroke goes up 32%, and your risk of developing dementia goes up 50%. Just because 
You don't have people in your life. So in a very literal sense, our bodies are dying for connection. We're all looking for a family to belong to and a story to connect with. Family is a critical part of what it means to be human. And that makes our Jesus story for this week even more strange. It begins with Jesus teaching, and as usual, He has drawn a pretty big crowd. Word has begun to spread of the miraculous signs Jesus is performing and the revolutionary things He's saying. And at this point in His ministry, His family's becoming a little concerned. Most likely, they're worried about His safety. But later on, we find out that Jesus' brothers start to question His sanity. Some accounts tells us they doubted Him. They didn't buy the miracles. They didn't think He was the Messiah. Now, of course, after the resurrection, they changed their minds. In fact, we know from history that Jesus had a brother named James who became the leader of the church in Jerusalem, the very place where Jesus was crucified, and gave His life for Jesus. Now, sidebar, what would it take for you to believe your brother was the living God, made in flesh and blood? to the point you'd call him Lord and even die to proclaim it to others. It probably would take him rising from the dead and having dinner with you a few days later. But at this point, Jesus' family is just worried about him and they want to talk to him. And when Jesus hears that his family is outside looking for him, he makes this outrageous statement. Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Wait, did Jesus just disown his own family? Is he rejecting them? Is he downplaying the importance of the family bond between him and his parents and his siblings? I mean, let's be honest. It doesn't sound very Jesus-like, but if you think this sounds bad, Jesus will later say some things that sound even worse, like this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, some translations of the Bible like to soften this language up a little bit. It'll say, you must hate them in comparison to how much you love me. And that's probably a good way of summing up what Jesus meant. But in His original words, Jesus wasn't trying to soften anything. He was trying to shock them into paying closer attention. I mean, Jesus, who preached that we should love our enemies, pray for those who persecute us, and do good for those who mistreat you, and to turn the other cheek, for Him to give even the hint that you should disregard and hate your family, is an attempt to make us pay attention to the bigger point that he's making. And the point is what we've been saying in this series. God is inviting us into an interactive story with him at the center. And one of the major parts of the full, satisfying life we've been invited to is a family. Not an isolated, one-on-one -on -one relationship where it's only you and God, but a family of brothers and sisters with God as our loving Father will we learn to love and support and encourage one another, just like the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Love one another in perfect unity. So when Jesus makes these statements about family that seem outrageous and offensive, He's not rejecting or discounting His human family, and He's not asking us to do that either. 
He is pointing to a greater reality. He's calling his followers to this internal family that God is creating, a family that truly is closer than blood. Have you ever thought about why God chose to create us within the context of families? Like why are human beings born into bodies with no ability to care for themselves at all? And for the first years of our lives, we have to depend on the care and nurturing of parents or some kind of caregiver to learn how to talk and walk and feed ourselves and also to learn and develop mentally and emotionally. I mean, it takes a long time for us to become truly independent. God could have designed us any way He wanted, but He chose this as the way we first experienced the world, in a family. And of course, all of our homes and families wind up taking on all shapes and sizes and configurations. Often when we talk about this traditional family, it fills a lot of us with shame or confusion because our families are messy. We don't know what to do, but there are no perfect families or model families. So why would God choose families? I think one of the primary reasons is this. When the family is functioning in a healthy way, the way God intended it, it becomes a small representation of the greater, more perfect internal family that God has invited us all into. In other words, our human families were intended to reflect to us and to the world around us the reality of the family of God. A family consistent of every man, woman, and child within the kingdom of God. Every person, regardless of their skin color, when or where they were born, or no matter their social or economic status, the language they speak, or the culture they celebrate. Anyone who claims God as their father and Jesus as their king, they are my brothers and sisters, and we are bonded together eternally. I'm uh, sure that for many people here, when we have this whole discussion, about family in any kind of way, it becomes very difficult. In fact, my experience tells me that it's almost too painful for you to think about at times. Maybe your family didn't give you the best representation of what God intended to take place. Maybe they certainly didn't reflect the family of God very well and it just left us with wounds that we shouldn't have had that now we're the ones that have to take care of. Some of us hear the word family and immediately, it almost traumatizes us again. It makes us hard to think about what we need to think about. And for many people, it's this one thing that, that gets in the way of them even beginning to relate to God as father, to move into the family of God. Because what you think is, I for sure don't want another family that was like my first family. And if that's been your experience, I just want to say how sorry I am that that's been what's happened. It for sure is not what God intended. It's not what you should have experienced. And his heart is broken for you. And we would love to be a part of helping God heal the wounds that are at work in your life. To move toward what God is doing and reshaping your vision of what family could be for you. Of course, we're not perfect either. And we won't be able to get it right all the time either. But I can assure you,
there is a better family experience than what you have experienced before. And I believe you can find it in the family of God. But before we move on and Jason comes back to continue to teach us in this, I wanted to give you a moment where you could just reflect alone with God on the experience you've had and process the feelings that you have so that you can deal with those and you can open yourself back up to what God might want to say to you in the rest of our time together. And this is just a moment of prayer for you to cry out to your Heavenly Father and say it's not the way it was supposed to be and you pray for the difficulty that you've had with family or that you're currently having in your family and to ask God to help and ask him to begin to heal what's going on. And I know one moment of silence in this service is not gonna fix everything. You may need to take another step. Maybe you need to go out to the next step center. and Maybe you need to talk to Jason after the service is over. We would love to walk with you and help you in any way we can. And I'll just say, if everything I just said in the last couple of minutes doesn't resonate with you because your family was awesome and you don't have a lot of pain and baggage, you can take this time and give thanks, but maybe more importantly than that, you can do what we've talked about the last couple of weeks and you can look around in this room and pray for your brothers and sisters who right now need the blessing of God because their family was not like yours. And they need God to do a work in their life. This is just another way we can be the family of God together. So I'm going to give you a few moments. You talk to God and then I'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I'm asking you on behalf of my brothers and sisters that you would begin some healing some wounds today. Would you open up our hearts to receive your love and the love of brothers and sisters around us? Would you open our eyes to see the vision of life and your family that you have for us? And would you give us the courage to take the next step in our healing and being a part of your family? In the name of Jesus, we all pray. So I want to spend what few minutes that I have left with you and maybe let's start reshaping a little bit, maybe refocusing our picture of family and what it can be in the family of God, what it should be, even if it's hard for us to imagine, and I suspect for some of us it will be. But maybe open yourself up to the possibility. And even if you can't imagine, just ask the question, what if that were true? 
And it, I even struggle with some of this, I'll be honest, because I felt like as, as I was focusing my heart on this thing and figuring out how to explain it to you or to present it to you, I felt like it, sometimes it's going to be a little, little simplistic. But sometimes the most simplest truths can be the most profound. In the family of God, every child is wanted. In the family of God, every child is accepted. No one wanted kids in God's family. And I know some kids go through life and, well, we wonder about this, don't we? Do they want me here? Am I an inconvenience to these people? Do, do I make them proud that I'm their child? Or are they ashamed of me? Are they embarrassed of me? Some of you got told that by your parents. In fact, you've heard this phrase before. Oh, he or she, they were an accident. And everybody laughed and, and, and it was a joke. It wasn't to you. Every, little, every time it just stung a little bit, didn't it? Because, see, we know what an accident is. It's something you didn't plan for and something you didn't really intend, something you didn't want. And so now you carry that label. Please hear me. In a world full of rejection, in a world that gives you every reason for why you should be rejected, the family of God wants you. You are not an accident here. You were made on purpose for a purpose. In the family of God, we love unconditionally. Some of us struggle with that phrase. <laughs> Some of us even don't even, not even sure we understand what it really means. Love without any conditions, without any qualifiers. It's a concept that you can't even imagine. In fact, some of you don't even think it's wise. Why would anybody do that? I mean, how, how do you love someone like that? Because I'm not sure that's even safe. And, and I'll just say to you, it, it can be a mystery to all of us sometimes. We all wonder and we struggle about this. We're all trying to figure out and feel our way through this idea. But can I tell you the good news? The good news is simply this. Within God's family, we don't have to imagine this. We got a clear example to what, that we point to of what this looks like. We have a clear example that we can follow. The Bible says we love one another because he loved us first. And see, what that means is that the only way we know what true, unconditional love looks like is because we've seen it. It has been demonstrated, and we experience it for ourselves in Christ. See, I'm probably like a lot of you in here. Most days, <laughs> I don't feel very much like I'm worth living for, much less dying for. But Jesus thinks that. And not only does Jesus think so, <laughs> he did so. When I was just as I am, still a sinner, still far away from what I should be or what I was meant to be, Jesus gave his life for me. And so now I know what unconditional love looks like because I have it. It's mine. 
I don't understand it completely. I'm not sure I fully grasp it, but I know I have it. And because of that, in some strange way, I can slowly begin to learn how to do it for you because you're my brother and you're my sister. And it doesn't always make sense to me either. But this is what I have experienced, and therefore, I can learn. In church, when we get this right, we slowly become a family without any fear here. See, true unconditional love, we're taught, that comes from our Father, has the ability to eliminate all fear. Now, how does that work? See, when I'm loved unconditionally, I can live fully in the reality, in that reality, in the family of God, and I can be exactly who I am because I know I will not be rejected by God or by you. I've become a part of a family who loves me despite me because we have a father who already done it for me. See? And this is what our human hearts are craving. It's what we talked about earlier. It's what you were made for. It's what I was made for. And no matter whether your family of origin gave it to you or not, your heart is always going to be restless. It's always going to feel that incomplete feeling without this. And the family of God is where you were ultimately meant to find that. And like I said, this only comes when we are on, when we're, it's only a, we're only able to experience it, that unconditional love, when we don't have any fear of holding back, when we have no fear of hiding, right? And that brings us to that scary word that I always talk to my clients about and everybody hates to talk about it. It's called vulnerability. See, the only way you experience true unconditional love is when you can become vulnerable with another person. And to be vulnerable with another person, you have to know first, is this a safe place to do that? Is it okay for me to be me here? Is it okay to let you see into the heart of who I am, to be who I really am? And the family of God is the place to do that. But if we're a family with God as our father, Jesus is our example. If we're truly that, then it, it becomes a place where I don't have to protect myself from you. Even that secret part of me that I'm so afraid that you'd find out about it, and, and if you found out about it, you'd think I was unlovable or unacceptable. Unconditional love takes away the fear that that cr creates. I say this all the time with clients who are in my office. I say, you know, vulnerability is really what you need. And here's the thing about vulnerability. When you see someone else become vulnerable, when you see someone take a risk and they reveal themselves to you, you look at that person and you admire them because that's brave. You think, wow, what kind of courage that that must take. And you, you hear someone, and they, they bring out that part, and you go, wow, and you want some of that. You, you're drawn to that. It's, it's impressive until you try it. And then when you try it, when I try it, it doesn't feel like bravery to me. <laughs> feels like dying. <laughs> feels like jumping off a cliff and not sure there's anything underneath to catch me. And I feel fear. But if you can rest and find your place, in this family, the family of God. And, and if you can take risks and, and push through that fear that you feel, 
The family of God can become a place where you can be truly seen and truly vulnerable because you become no longer afraid that I won't be loved or I'll be rejected. The Father already proved that you're loved. The Father's already proved that you're accepted through His Son. And so now, your brothers and sisters, we're just trying to live in the way and the practices of Jesus, and we're trying to create a safe space for that to be the case for you and for me. And when we do, I can know for sure, no matter how scary it feels, I can be who I am in front of you, and I know, my brothers and sisters, you're going to mourn when I mourn. You're going to celebrate me when I'm doing well, and you're going to hold me up when I'm weak, not reject me and turn me down and to call me unlovable. See, this is why we as a church are just these days becoming so passionate about being a family together. From the youngest to the oldest, from our youngest children in our, student, in our children's ministry to our student ministries to our parenting ministry, we're just convinced around here that nobody ought to be raising kids alone, nobody ought to grow old alone, nobody ought to die alone. We're going to be a multi-generational family helping one another, supporting one another along every single stage of life, loving one another in the same way that our Father has loved us through Jesus Christ. We say that every Sunday. That's what we're becoming. Now, this is the part that's going to be a little uncomfortable for some of you. Well, the first part. There's another one coming too. <laughs> but I do need to say this to some of you, and it's, it's going to sting a little bit for some of you. But love requires me to say the truth. For some of you, this is really challenging because if you were just honest and you were vulnerable and transparent with me, here's what you would say to me. This church community doesn't feel anything like a family to you. Not anything like I just described. It doesn't feel like family. And the reason it doesn't feel like family is very, very simple. You don't know anybody. And nobody knows you. Oh, they might know your name, and they might say hi to you on the way in the door, but you don't know anybody's story, and nobody knows your story. And again, if you were honest, church is mostly a place you go when there's nothing else better going on in your life. And you show up hoping, well, maybe I'll just get some good vibes, get a little encouragement, and it'll get me through another week. Or some of you show up here, and it's really just about you and what you feel. And you, what you feel is you feel guilty because you know you've done some things that God wouldn't be happy with. And so you think by coming here every Sunday, it's going to assuage God's anger against you. And you're going to feel a little bit better about your guilt. And maybe, just maybe, if you come enough times and you do enough things that God will let you into heaven one day when you die. And that's pretty much it. And I want to say to you, my friend, God loves you too much to offer you something as empty and shallow as that. Your heavenly father, I don't care what anybody has told you, your heavenly father is not holding over your head some kind of threat because he's mad at you. Your heavenly father is weeping over you like a father who has set a table and opened up his house and he's just waiting for you to come home. And he's desperate for you. His house is made available. His family has been open to you. So maybe, maybe, maybe your next step is it's time to come home and just take your place in the family. You are already loved. 
You're already accepted by your father. You just need to give your brothers and sisters a chance to show you that it's true. So will you take your next step? Whatever that is today. Today as we end, this is the other uncomfortable part. We're going to give you some, some time to experience what life in the family of God really looks like and feels like. So on occasion around here in our family, uh, we huddle up together in groups of three or four. And today I want to invite you to do it again. And all we're going to do today is just share names together. And one thing that you might want someone to pray for you about today. I don't know what, where you're at today. Maybe this has stirred up some emotions that you need to simply say to someone else, hey, I'm struggling with what he talked about today. Or maybe there is something going on in your life that you would want to just let someone else know about it so that you can carry your burdens together. See, one of the most powerful things that a family really does for one another is we share one another's burdens. Nobody struggles alone here unless you want to. And when you're able to simply say, I am struggling, I need help, I need prayer, then you can look across to the face of your brother or your sister and see the love and acceptance of your heavenly father. And I'm telling you, it's powerful if you would do it. And I know some of you are ready and maybe even making plans to bolt for the door. And uh, that's okay. It's all right. It really is. It's okay. I get it. Maybe this is new and this is strange. Maybe this is your very first time and this is weirding you out, and I get that. So don't feel obligated to participate. I would encourage you to participate at whatever level you can. And even if that means just sitting near somebody and just listening, that's enough for today, if that's all you can do. But if you're here all the time, and first of all, don't talk a lot. Uh, You know, we only have three minutes to do this. Just naming what we're praying for. But maybe you're sitting around some people and you know their stories and you see them all the time. Maybe this is your chance to expand your family circle a little bit today and find somebody you don't know as well. So we're going to take time and, like I said, just three minutes and share together. And once you've done that, I want to invite you to return to your seat and you'll know it's time to return to your seat when you hear the music start to play. Our band's going to lead us in a song today about how we are the sons and daughters of God. But for right now, I want you to find three or four folks, huddle together, Share your name, share something we can pray about. Thanks for stopping by to check out this message. If you've been feeling the call to take your next step in following Jesus, we're here to support you every step of the way. Feel free to reach out to us at community-christian.net or connect with us on any of our social media platforms. And hey, I'm super excited to share that we've got two amazing podcasts you might really enjoy. First up, there's three peas in a pod where three of our speakers dive deep into questions about the Bible and life. Then there's Not Great Parents, which is just perfect for us parents navigating the ups and downs of parenthood. Both of these podcasts release fresh episodes every week, so make sure to tune in and give them a listen.